0: We have our second major trade of the season. The spicy pea seasoning is headed to a new cabinet. We've got the MVP (laughs) battle, Jokic versus Embiid. Let's get into foul trouble.
1: The spicy pea seasoning is going to a new cabinet. It is, bro. That might be your best intro ever. I gotta gotta give it you your flowers right there, man.
0: Yeah, so I'm sure everyone listening has heard, but we got Pascal Siakam, you know, power forward for the Raptors. He was a star. He was huge in the NBA finals for them a couple years ago. He's headed to the Pacers, and the Raptors are going to receive Bruce Brown, Jordan Nuwara, three first-round picks, two in 2024, and one in 2026. They're also gonna get Kira Lewis from the Pelicans, and the Pelicans. The big winners, getting straight cash.
1: There we go. That cash money, that cold, hard green. Um, All right, so we're going to do a little bit of uh, trade grades here. Yeah. What was your
0: immediate reaction? So this is a weird trade to grade because if they can get a guarantee that Siakam's going to stay, I like it for the Pacers just because I feel like Halliburton has kind of, elevated their floor to the point where i'm not sure these picks are gonna you know be a pathway to being good so i think for a pacers team where it's like maybe Halliburton can keep ascending you kind of kind of have to kind of build incrementally so i feel like in the last like three weeks we've gone over like trades and team constructions and i've been very against this type of team construction but a guy like Halliburton makes your floor so high that it's it's kind of hard to build in a traditional way um but the problem is Siakam, like this whole season has been like, I want to be a free agent. I want to experience being a free agent. I want to know what it's like. And Woj tweeted, quote, Siakam is expected to be eager to work out a new contract. So the only inclination we have that Siakam might sign an extension is we're speculating on what his emotions will be f- five months from now, which like, I don't know, man. I Woj is great. He reports the news, but. It's a dangerous game to play, for sure. The emotion speculation um, game is it, really. If, if I'm else. an
1: Indiana Pacers fan, I I am definitely losing a little bit of sleep over that. But like, when's the last time we saw somebody? I guess it was the Raptors. The last time we saw a real like All NBA level star get traded to a team, play out his contract just like the rest of that year, and then piece it. So I mean.
0: You, you got to think Pascal we can at least move let's, forward assuming he's going to stay for a Let's while. operate under the assumption that Pascal Siakam signs a long-term extension and that it's for a good amount of money, maybe his max? I, do you think Siakam's going to get a max? I, yes. Yes, okay. I, I, okay. I
1: don't think anyone would give him his max except for the Indiana Pacers. Okay. But so then leverage maybe? exactly that's that's the leverage
0: like that's the game right there Um, okay so Siakam probably like a low 40s mid to high 30s contract per year annual value there I'm gonna give this trade like a a b plus a b for the pacers okay what what is taking that away from an a just the contract it's really the the trajectory of Pascal's jump shot is what is taking it away because I think what's fun about this Pacers is they're flying up and down the court. There's all this shooting. And I think, like, it's really fun. And deep down, something has to change for the Pacers to, you know, ascend to one of the top four teams in the East. Like, it's fun being the greatest offense ever. But if it relies so much on flying up and down the court, jacking up a lot of threes, you and not being really that big and having a big paint presence, you kind of look like the Kings last year where you're a really fun story. But ultimately, when you're playing with the really great teams, you probably don't come through. Um I'm giving it a B just because I do think Siakam is a little bit of a risky gamble. Yeah, yeah, I see that. I mean,
1: he's he's 30, which different folks in NBA history that number has meant a lot of different things. Um I love the fit for the Pacers with Pascal Siakam. The big one reason why I think Pascal hasn't really looked like himself this year on the Raptors and really last year as well is the Raptors spacing has just
0: been but whack. the thing is last year the Raptors spacing was pretty bad it's it's kind of good this year it's a little bit it's it's a, it's it's a little bit better but the main
1: place where Pascal gets his bones is in transition he's like a devastating transition player and like he's almost always consistently in the like 90th percentile for forwards in Points per possession in transition plays, in points per play for transition plays. And previously in his pretty much entire career, the Raptors have always been around that like 86th percentile, 90th percentile for how much they're getting in transition. This year, they're in the
0: 27th percentile. And the Pacers are top five in
1: the league in generating transition opportunities.
0: Yeah, Halliburton is like a one man transition generator. I guess for me, like that's actually a really, really good point. Like while he'll fit in so seamlessly, I guess for me, like usually when I think about these trades, like what um, what do you look like in the playoffs where transition opportunities tend to just dwindle down? A, like I just tend to gravitate more towards stars that boost your half court offense a little bit more than your transition offense. But that is a great point. Like if Siak- Siakam is a great player to kind of run up and down the court. And I really do like that Siakam, even though, like, I've had, like, you know, the jump shot, I feel like, is declining. Like, the real, the great Siakam is, like, the spinning into the lane, getting layups, like, using his kind of, you know, match of, like, height and speed and agility to kind of get past more stiffer, like, big men. And I, like, I do like that this gives the Pacers more, like, paint oomph. Exactly. And, like, obviously,
1: he's not, like, the ideal star to be playing in the half court. But... He's a hell of a lot better than Obi Toppin. Yeah. He, so, and you um, still have Obi Toppin. And you still have Obi Toppin. So, yeah, that's a really interesting – I honestly, the big loser of this trade, if it's anyone, it's Obi Toppin.
0: But I don't think Obi Toppin is a big loser in this trade, though, because, like, Obi Toppin's shooting 42% from three. Like Obi Toppin is, maybe it's like this is a one year, you know, this next year. I doubt he's at that again, given his history of being a jump shooter. But like Obi Toppin, like he's played himself into a role where I don't see how he's, I think he's still going to get good minutes on this team because they could play a small ball lineup. If the other, like when I saw the Raptors in person, it's against Anthony Davis and he's giving Siakam all sorts of problems. Right. But there's not a lot of those guys in the league. Like on most nights, the Pacers should be able to trot out a Siakam, Toppin you know, lineup with, like, crazy spacing with Halliburton. I feel like Toppin's still going to have a big role in this team. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think he's going to have, like, no
1: role. I'm just like, you're on an expiring deal. You came in. You were the starter on this, like, super feel-good think- roster. And now, like, for the stretch run, you don't get to show off, like, what you can do before
0: you're restricted free agency. Well, here's something I hadn't considered with this trade that, I don't know, let me know what you think. But, like, I feel like, Toppin's big weakness athletically is his horizontal movement, right? Like the guy is an incredible leaper, he's got good speed, he's he's a very good athlete, but with a lot of these kind of taller guys, it is that like change of direction, that horizontal movement. He's so, like a buffalo. Yeah, so so playing him at the three is a little dicey on defense, but like could you play a jumbo lineup with Turner, Siakam, and Toppin? I yeah, I I, I, I mean like, like I feel the idea. Like, I Why feel not? like because he's has the shooting ability, like I don't know if that'll be a good defensive lineup. Just give Pacers
1: sell on defense anyway. Yeah,
0: so I'm and so like all right, if you're going to be bad, you may as well be big and get the rebounding up. Like I feel like the Pacers. You know what, Patrick? I'm giving them an A. Let's go. Well, you're right there with me, baby. No, you talked me into it. I actually really like the like lineup versatility the Pacers have with the Siakam trade, and like again, love the paint and like this could be really good for them. The other thing we haven't even talked
1: about is I think his fit with Miles Turner is just awesome. Like yeah. we saw how optimized he was. Of course, Miles Turner isn't the kind of center that is like a hub on offense, but he stretches the floor in a similar way to like the, what Marcus did in kind of the prime, like best we've ever seen of um, Pascal Siakam. So I I really like that fit as well. I I just think like it it pretty in my mind, it dramatically raises the Pacers ceiling. Problem with that is the East is kind of like.
0: Yeah. So so here's the question. Some people have. I had some friend ask me, do you think I text me? I like the trade for the Pacers, but I don't think it raises their ceiling because your ceiling isn't just decided by how good you are. It's decided by how good the teams are around you as well. And I feel like. The East has a very clear top three and a half, which is the Celtics, the Bucks, the Sixers, and the Heat are the half team. Mm-hmm. I still feel like I don't like the Spacers team against any of those teams in a series. I mean, I guess they own, they kind of have Milwaukee's number. It makes it even worse for the Bucks. But but I feel like come playoff time, that's not going to stick. Personally, yeah. I mean, I I can't see them. I definitely can't see them beating
1: any of those top threes, the the Boston, the Milwaukee. I don't know. If everything goes right in a Milwaukee series and they just have a heat-esque meltdown, maybe. But before this trade, I definitely would have picked against them in a series against Cleveland, in a series against New York. Um, and And now it's like, I don't know. It's the kind of thing where I want to see it on the court first but I could see myself down the road picking them over one of either one of those teams. I mean, it's just like, it's it's a good amount of star power. You've got two like solid all NBA talents now that are really optimized by fit.
0: Yeah, no, it's fun. I mean, so right now, coincidentally, they are slated to play the bucks in the first round, which like, (laughs) I,
1: I don't know if that'll hold
0: because the Pacers are 23 and 17. They've been pretty good. Like as of late, um, I mean, chances are the East standings are not what they're going to be right now. We have like basically a th- basically a three way tie between the Knicks, Heat, and Pacers between five and seven. The Cavs are like kind of close to them as well. So I think we're going to see a lot of jumbling between those four teams between the four and the seven spot. But yeah, let's talk about this from the Raptors' side. I have one more thing that I just want to point out. I think he,
1: that he also has the perfect coach. Rick Carlisle. If there's one thing that we have seen him do over the course of his career, it's optimized these kind of unique power forwards. We, we saw it with Dirk, like the Jermaine O'Neal experience. He had his best years ever under Rick Carlisle. So um, I just think, yeah, it's awesome to see him go to kind of a all time power forward
0: whisperer. Um, but yeah, let's let's get into it for the Raptors. So the Raptors are getting the picks. They're getting Bruce Brown. I mean, they pick up Jordan Nuara. Jordan Nuara was playing 10 minutes a game on the Pacers. I don't – that feels more like a filler to me or maybe a long down-the-road type guy. Um, So two picks in this year's draft, which like as we've talked about, like a lot of people consider this to be a weaker draft. So we'll see how those picks pan out. I mean, even though this draft is considered weaker, I would say, by many, a lot of the times the way people – determine a draft class's strength is the top end talent. And the reality is like a lot of NBA teams are getting guys who become, who can become good rotation guys within two, three seasons, like up and down the first round. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think it's always good to like get more bites of the
1: apple looking into like what these picks really are. So two picks in 2024, like you said, one of them is Indiana's pick, which I think it's safe to assume that is not going to be a lottery pick no, at this be. point, especially with the addition of a guy like Pascal Siakam. And then the other one is going to be the worst pick of OKC, Utah, Houston, and the Clippers. So that will probably be the OKC or Clipper pick, which is in will not the be very, very bottom. Uh, uh and then you've got the 2020, the Pacers 2026 first rounder, one through four protected. I'm not sure what the protection is like going down the line.
0: Yeah. But and- they're kind of fake. First round, they're kind of. Pick. They're, I mean, not fake, but they're weak first round. Especially picks. that 2026 Pacers pick, because if we think is going to keep ascending and the Pacers keep building on the team, like I assume they're going to probably crack that top four in the East within that by that 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 year. But anyway, they also get Bruce Brown, which I feel like is the big headline of the trade because a lot of people are speculating Bruce Brown might get traded. The Raptors are finally trading people. They finally traded OG. They finally traded Siakam. They're finally ready to enter their new era built around Scotty Barnes, but. I kind of feel like Bruce Brown's a nice player to have for a team that seems maybe not this year, but in the past has been a little delusional about where they are in the standings. Like I know a lot of people are like, where is he going to get rerouted? Do you think there's a world where they keep him? He has a $23 million team option this summer. Uh, Possibly. um, They don't own their pick for this year. So I I think it's top
1: eight protected to the Spurs. So there is a a little bit of um, like, why not? Like, Go for it, get that pick out the door so it doesn't, so you don't keep pushing it down the line. Um, be like a
0: playing team; they're right around that range right now. You know the Raptors are such a weird team because I kind of feel like they've been winning nonstop lately. And I'm looking at the standings; they're 16 to 25, and they're four and six on their last ten. So I guess they they probably are better off rerouting Bruce Brown. The problem is, I know Bruce Brown went from one generational passer to the next, but for whatever reason, man. One of those passers seems to have had a little bit better effect on Brown. And that passer is Jokic. So Brown's jump shot is way down this year again. Um, And I think that's kind of the thing with Denver was he was like a really good shooter. The cutting was great. And I feel like it's one of those things where I feel like, not to get into the whole nitty gritty, but like structurally it's a lot better when your center is the guy averaging 12 assists than the point guard, because that means the passes are coming from the center of the court and guys are kind of like galloping toward the rim and stuff. And it's one of those small things it's like, why like if you were to have the perfect center or perfect point guard, you take the center every time. But like, I don't know where I'm going with that. But basically, Brown has not been as good as he was with Denver last year. And so I'm wondering what his value is going to be.
1: Yeah, I mean, part of Bruce Brown's appeal is him on the defensive end. And I'm sorry, Pacers fans, like there is just... no one could look good in that like Pacers defensive system. I think he still got enough like heat from the um championship run that I-, I think most good teams are gonna look into him. He doesn't make an absurd amount of money, $20 million-ish a year. And I or let's see, yeah, $22 million a year. The, the tough thing and why I think the Raptors should capitalize on this asset right now is he is only on a two-year contract. There's a team option. I think it's... Yeah, it's this summer. Team option yeah, for two Yeah, this summer, Williams. two days after the draft. And if you hold on to Bruce Brown, obviously we've seen guys with questionable jump shots. It's been harder for them to survive around Scottie Barnes. If they keep on to Bruce... Uh, keep holding on to Bruce Brown and they push the ball down the hill a little bit more and he looks terrible. It's the kind of thing where it's going to be really hard to get value. So I kind of feel like the time is now. And I have come up with a bunch of Bruce Brown trades. If you, if you want to go over a couple, my favorite one is Bruce Brown to New York. It would be for Evan Fournier and Quinton Grimes You get a little, like, youth infusion. The Knicks still have the problem of the guy in the Quentin Grimes spot can't shoot at Mm -hmm. all, but I feel like Bruce Brown has proved it in the playoffs. He's a super Tibbs guy, and you throw in one of their weaker first-round picks, maybe that Dallas first-round pick from this year. And he
0: feels very much like this year's version of the Josh Hart trade last year where Josh Hart came in and it's like, we love Josh Hart! I could totally see that again with Bruce Brown.
1: Exactly. So I really like that. One I wanted to throw your way, how do you feel about a Kyle Lowry homecoming for a Bruce
0: Brown and Thad Young package? Ooh. I I, I like that. I mean, Lowry, you know, has just been kind of a... I don't know. The Lowry experience is weird, right? Like, he was pretty bad for us all last regular season. The playoffs come, and it's like, hey, I'm back, y'all. But, no, I'd rather gamble on Bruce Brown and – Yeah, I think
1: he's a very heat culture guy. Yeah,
0: I'd rather gamble on that than Kyle Lowry's, like, aging, aging. But – Yeah, what's it? What 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 are the Raptors? Why do they want to do that trade?
1: Yeah, that's that's kind of the tough thing. I mean, you you get Kyle Lowry back. It's a great like feel good moment after just trading maybe the like greatest development project your franchise has ever produced. I I think, Uh, um, but it's tough. Like, I I guess yeah, he don't really have picks
0: to send. They could send a twenty twenty four. Personally, I think the Raptors are going to keep Brown. I think the Raptors always seem to view themselves a little bit more highly than the rest of the league views them. And I feel like Brown's jump shot, cause it's down to like 32%, like reasonably could get back up to 35, 36. And like when you're in that number, that's pretty good. And Scotty Barnes, jump shot has evolved to the point where I think having guys like this and letting Barnes be more of a facilitator. Now with Siakam gone, like, and cause like one thing I've loved about Bruce Brown, and like, I loved him on that Nets team, like his, his cutting ability. He's such a good cutter. like, Honestly, the team that'd be perfect for him, and it sucks because there's no way they can get him. Is your sons like? Oh my god, yeah, bro. he would like be he he played so perfect. well off of KD, and that's why he played so well off of Jokic, and like, I'd I, love to see him on a team like or a Warriors like a, a team with where the the stars now, comes me, from brother. shooting. But I think they're gonna keep him, man. Like I think he can slot in and play nice, and it gives the Raptors other versatility. Like they could trade Gary Trent, they could keep Gary Trent. Like I don't know. I think the Raptors are.
1: Can I give you my
0: my Warriors trade? Yeah.
1: This one's a little crazy.
0: So it would be
1: Andrew Wiggins for Andrew Wiggins and Moses Moody. Andrew Wiggins for Andrew Wiggins. (laughs) Um, And then Bruce Brown and Otto Porter Jr. Someone that we've already seen in the Warriors system. We know that it works. Bruce Brown, I feel like, is a very Warriors guy. And they get off the... Crazy Andrew Wiggins contract. Maple Jordan goes back up north and you're sweetening the pot with Moses Moody. Uh, Who says no first? The Raptors Raptors say no first. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I mean, the Warriors say no too. Yeah. I I think both teams, I think the Warriors are like, "Ah, I don't want to give up Moody. uh, Yeah. I don't know. I think they
1: would to get off Andrew Wiggins. Yeah. Four years left, over $24 million a year for Andrew Wiggins. But see, that's the thing. For the expiring Raptors, money.
0: The Raptors don't want to do that. Yeah, but maybe they're in love with Moses Moody. Uh, I don't. I think if they're in love with Moses Moody, he'd like, already be a Raptor. He would be an
1: incredible fit for, like, around Scotty, right next to IQ. I mean, this trade is probably this not is happening. This is not going to happen. But um, I thought it was
0: interesting in its own right. So what are you grading this for the Raptors? C. Oh, okay. See, I'm I'm actually higher on it for the Raptors. I actually really like this trade for the Raptors because I think Siakam was going to leave, and I I don't think they were going to get much more value than this.
1: Yeah, but that's that's the thing. You, you they did this trade two years too late. They did it two years too late, but I, and, and I don't really think w- once everything's all said and done, what are you? What do you have from this
0: trade? Well, three we'll see late how the picks first convey. round. Yeah, we'll see how the picks convey. But, but also, like, Bruce Brown is a really good player. Like, I know he's down shooting this year, but, like, we've seen him be really good, role like, key role piece on two really good teams. So, like, I, I don't, I, I mean, like, maybe they extend Bruce Brown on, like, a more reasonable long-term deal. Like, and I kind of like that for them, too. So, I'm actually going to give the Raptors a B on this one as well. Okay, there we go. All right, should we get to the MVP battle? Yes, why don't we? So the other night, we had the two MVP favorites, Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid face off. Embiid took the victory. Embiid had 41 points, 7 rebounds, 10 assists. Jokic had 25 points, 19 rebounds, 3 assists. Now, I know we both coincidentally did the writing down the plays, but can I go through my, my play log absolutely, for you?
1: Absolutely,
0: absolutely. So the game is tied 111 111 with 7 minutes, 28 seconds left. Jokic and Embiid both check into the game at the same time. So first possession, Nicholas Batum is on Jokic, so Embiid can kind of roam and play help defense. It's not working well. Jokic gets Maxi on a switch. Easy floater. Maxi comes flying down the court, answers. Next possession, Embiid is now on Jokic. Finally, we're getting the, the true MVP battle. He walls off an entry pass to Jokic, then gets an amazing contest on Reggie Jackson, he runs the floor in transition and does this insane high speed Euro step that puts on Jokic that puts Philly ahead. Then we get Jokic. This is where you kind of get the make or miss league of the NBA. Jokic is switched on to Tobias. Embiid creeps over because he's like, Tobias has no shot here. Jokic instantly finds KCP, who's open because Embiid's like, oh shit. Absolute dime. Absolute right. dime. And he misses from Jokic's gravity. And that's one of those like, Maybe if KCP hits that, we're talking about a different game, but that's the make or miss nature of the NBA. Then Embiid just takes over. He toys with Gordon out of the triple threat, cashes an and one jumper. Next possession down, he hits a three over Jokic. Then he (laughs) hits next possession down, he hits another jumper over Gordon. And then Jokic finally answers with a jumper like a couple possessions later. But like this game was just all Joel Embiid putting his stamp on the MVP and saying, this is mine. Yeah, and
1: in that like kind of Joel heat check moment, there's also... Two turnovers from Jamal Murray in that time. I I felt like th- his teammates should have done like a little bit of a better job to let him run the show at that moment. But yeah, I mean, I think Joel Embiid had his MVP moment here, and um, whether or not he plays enough games
0: to that's the thing. Qualify, I think if he has seven games left he can miss to qualify for the MVP award.
1: I feel like if what. <laughs> i I just I don't even know what to say if he's not eligible to even be voted on for, this for the award. first team. Yeah, like it's would be such an indictment on the NBA. I think this whole rule change was kind of a reactionary thing
0: to just like load management.
1: The load management narrative, which. Have they solved it? I don't know, but it's just going to ruin people's,
0: like, legacies. Well, so here's the other big thing. Embiid has already kind of gotten screwed because, like, All-Star is the two front court, the three back court, right? Like, All-NBA, for whatever reason, is, like, two back court, two front court, one center. And so last, like, three seasons, we've had this thing where Jokic and Embiid are one and two in MVP, but one of them is on the second team, which is just, like, why are why is one of the two best players, definitively two best players on the second team? But that you know, I don't get. I, it's the way it's always been. You look back to
1: Will and Bill Russell. One of them made the first team all NBA every single year. I honestly hate the change. I I think it's going to be a lot more difficult to get like a real picture of like position groups when looking back on the history when We don't have that all NBA to suss that out. We already have a functional way or we already had a functional way to look at the top five guys, the top 15 guys in the league. That was by MVP voting win shares. If you wanted to see that, you could see it. You could see how dominant Joel Embiid's been over the last, you know, six years by just seeing that he's number two or number three in the MVP votes every single year. And he's also like been racking up second team all NBAs. And did he was he first team last, last year? year was yeah, yeah, the yeah, only yeah. year.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I just, to me, I, I, I don't really agree. Cause it's just I, like, it's weird to me. I don't know. It's it, to me. I just find it weird that we have a team that's like, here are the five best players that are like supposed to be by position, but it's like, I don't know. It's to me, it's weird that Embiid and Jokic, one of them, will be second team when it's just like clearly they're the two best players in the NBA right now, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's. I, I just feel like that's how it's always been. I now it's just going to be even muddier when we're looking back on people's careers going forward, like. Uh, yeah.
0: Well, I guess going back to this MVP discussion because like earlier in the season we did our first MVP check in at like the quarter mark, and me and you were like, "No one's gonna catch Jokic. What he's doing is ridiculous." And it feels like ever since that conversation start we had, Joel Embiid has just completely risen to the occasion and like I feel like surpassed Jokic.
1: Yeah, I agree quite with a bit you.
0: now in this MVP race.
1: I, I mean, like I, I'm not like it is kind of a runaway just because of the like crazy massive scoring yeah. that he's been able that
0: Joel's been able to produce. Like but it's not just the scoring, it's he's been the best defensive center metrics-wise in terms of like defensive field goal allowed. Like a- absolutely. been, like the best player on both sides of the court this season. B- but I mean, I-, I just think like Jokic has been
1: absolutely incredible as as well. Um but just
0: the scoring is what puts Embiid way over the top yeah. for and me I, currently. And I still, like personally, if I'm entering the playoffs, I still think I'd rather have Jokic, just because you still even see it in this game where Embiid completely like takes over. There was there was a possession where it's like Embiid gets the ball in the paint and he's like, I'm gonna just force a shot because I'm Joel Embiid. And there's like, I still think like with every year, it seems like the Sixers get incrementally better at like, okay, how do we get Joel the ball? in a big spot where he's not going to, um you know, turn the ball over. Because I still feel like Embiid is a little susceptible to, like, double teams. And, like, to me, that's why I still think Jokic is the best player in the world. But in terms of regular season MVP, I think Embiid actually has kind of, like, a sizable gap right now. Yeah, he's he's definitely got the lead in, in
1: any, like, sense of the word. Yeah, it's so crazy this, like, kind of moment, this six-year run of NBA regular season play that we've had from Jokic, Giannis, and and Embiid. I I was trying to look back over the course of history. When have we had like three, for the most part, like true bigs, true centers, or any single position group that has dominated the regular season like these
0: three men have had? And I, I can't find it, to be honest. Well... Maybe not as dominant regular season numbers wise, but I think that two thousands with you know the Nash MVPs and the Kobe MVP maybe kind of muddies the water of like Duncan Garnett. Yeah, Duncan Dirk, Garnett, Shaq, Shaq, Dirk. That kind of four foursome of big men that really were really special. Yeah, I mean, my only thing with like that point, and I guess like Steph has kind of been in that
1: conversation as well during during this run. But like Kobe was like such like a stalwart in like who's the greatest player in the league right now. I was looking like kind of like Bob Pettit, Bill Russell, Will Chamberlain was like kind of there. But then there was like Oscar Robertson was kind of in the mix as as well. It's just like a super special moment for the league right now. And the big man as like an idea, Mm -hmm. being able to reestablish... The importance of bigs in the
0: way that they have—it's really cool to see. And I think this era is like kind of just starting. Like we're gonna get Wemby soon. Like Chet looks great. Like, and that's the thing is what's fun about it is it's it's evolving, right? Like when Chet and Wemby hit their apex, it's gonna look so different than what Embiid and Jokic and Giannis all look like, right? Those guys are so different than these three guys. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, just the. The
1: the the size and skinniness of Wemby, how that, like, progresses juxtaposed against just the our thick kings, Jokic yeah. well, I'm, and it's, Embiid. It's, it's
0: fun. We're getting Wemby versus Embiid uh, coming up pretty soon. So that'll oh, be a fun wow. matchup. You know, Jokic kind of, like, had his way with Wemby. Wemby had a couple blocks on Jokic. But overall, like, Jokic kind of had his way on him. And I'm curious what it looks like with Embiid because, you know... I feel like Jokic is definitely the more crafty of the two. Mm-hmm. Um, and Embiid but, is more of the like, I'm gonna fucking try to dunk on you. Exactly.
1: <laughs> a- Embiid is definitely more of a guy who's gonna take it personally that just like anyone said yeah. that Wemby was a good center.
0: Yeah, and you know, one thing I really I really love about Joel Embiid and like why he's kind of been one of my favorite players. And I feel like this is something like a lot of old NBA stars, but like there's something about Joel Embiid where he's kind of like a showman. Absolutely. And I think like the, obviously the jump it,
1: shot over Aaron Gordon. Yeah,
0: but like, but like it's oh, and the the suck it celebration. Yes. But it's it's like it's kind of like, you know, I feel like Jokic and Embiid, and this is like why I feel like, you know, when you really look at it, like, okay, Jokic is probably better because of something like this, the mindset. Whereas Jokic is coming into a game like that, like I'm here to get the Denver Nuggets a win. Whereas Embiid's like, I'm here to get three highlights on Jokic and try to get the win. And I think like playing to the crowd and it's like, it's just really fun and joyful to watch Embiid. And I know a lot of people hate the like foul drawing stuff, but at the same time, it's like for all the gimmicky fouls Embiid draws, like the man gets hacked a lot. Like there was a possession yesterday where Gordon just like hammer chopped him and they didn't call it. And it's like, this is kind of what happens when you get players like Embiid or even Jokic, like where... When you get that good at basketball, it's kind of hard to stop them without fouling them. Yeah. It's like, that's how Shaq was. They're so big. That's how LeBron was in Miami. Like, that's the reality of the situation is like, yes, he's getting some of those gimmicky calls, but he's also getting like, not getting a lot of calls when he's actually getting hacked. So it kind of all evens out in my book. Absolutely. Yeah. It'll be, oh, if, if Embiid
1: over the next two to three years can, can do the thing and win a championship and Each one of these guys has two MVPs, one finals, Finals. one finals MVP. This will, it'll just be honestly like one of the most fun, like minor debates. I don't, I don't think any of these guys are going to get into like the LeBron MJ territory, but being able to debate like. Who your favorite guy was between Embiid, Giannis, and Jokic for the rest of time is just going to be, like, one of those all-time great, like, who's
0: your guy? Well, actually, I'm going to go counter on that. I think the pathway for either of these guys, for Embiid, it's going to be way harder because he doesn't have the championship yet. But if Jokic wins, like, three championships, like, he's already got more than Olajuwon. He'll have more than like Robinson. Like Ewing, I feel like is already beneath both of these guys. Yeah, yeah, like I Howard, I feel i last year there was like a weird like Embiid Howard discourse, which is crazy to me because Embiid is such a good defensive player, and he's 30 times the player on offense Howard ever was. Like, I don't know, man. Like, I think both of these guys, if these guys each let's if either of these guys got the three rings, like they're kind of right there with like Shaq in the all-time centers.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's tough for me to put either one of these guys with a guy like Shaq right now right just now. because
0: of the postseason success. Yeah, yeah, right now. But I'm saying in a world where one of these guys wins three rings.
1: Yeah, in a world where one of these guys three, th- wins three wing- rings, rings, it's more of a conversation for sure. But also like... Shaq's postseason success in his younger years was a lot greater than even though he did, wasn't able to break through and win a championship with the Magic, I think it, it kind of stands above what any of these guys were able to do. Also, postseason like, fallbacks, failures, I think these guys are, are leading uh, on like Shaq, Shaq's pace right now. But but yeah, I mean, if when you if 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 you win three championships, your name is going to be held in in a lot different of a light. But that's also the fun thing is like you could tell me any of these guys won three champion five years from now have won three championships, and I wouldn't be shocked. Um, And yeah, I just I love the NBA. I love the NBA. I love the NBA.
0: You know what's crazy is like. So, off off camera, there's this, like, Luka Doncic, like, sign thing. And, like, Luka Doncic is having, like, the greatest wing run to start a career since, like, LeBron James. Like, his stats are even better than LeBron yeah. James' were. And, like, the guy is, like, he's just not even going to finish, like, top three in MVP with how talented the league is right now. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, literally, look,
1: Luka's the start of
0: his career. I think
1: you can only put it with magic in LeBron.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and, 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 MJ. and mj it's like those are the only 3 people and yet somehow we're not talking about him the way we're talking about these two centers but that again that's what it comes back to with like the Halliburton versus Jokic thing is just like when your center is doing it it is so much more impactful
1: absolutely and and i mean the way these guys rebound is just like so
0: it's game changing in its own right like it's crazy cuz last night take away the points for him beating jokic jokic had 19 rebounds Insane. Joel Embiid had 10 assists.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: like, these guys are so good, man.
1: Yeah, Jokic was really, really great in this matchup as well. I, yeah. I think it's pretty telling. Pretty much every, every other guy in the Nuggets starting lineup was either a zero from Aaron Gordon or a like vast negative in the plus minus. Jokic was a plus one. And he was in
0: for all of those minutes where... Embiid was just lighting, lighting the world the on yeah. fire. No, Jokic is awesome. I love, I love Embiid and Jokic, man. I kind of like also that the discourse between the two of them is like, stop, like it was really toxic the last two and a half years, like three years. And I feel like this year it's gotten to a much more like everyone's appreciating. Absolutely. The two guys yeah. a lot more.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's just cool. Like, it's been a while since we had guys at the same position that are all at the, at the top, like of course, we had the Paul George and, and Kawhi with LeBron, but they never really like well, no, Durant, ran into it, though. There was yeah, that Durant. like, I
0: feel like the 2010s, like 2010 through like 2015 it, or 2014, it was like LeBron and KD were the best two players, the same position.
1: Yeah. The Warriors thing just always muddies. The Warriors thing muddies NBA history. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Should we get to Hot Streak Shooting Slump? Yeah,
1: let's get to Hot Streak Shooting Slump.
0: How, what, what was your week, man?
1: My week was pretty good. My week was pretty good. Very busy running around. Um, Yeah, I mean, I can't think of any reason why it'd be a shooting slump. So I guess we're on a hot streak. My birthday is on Saturday. But do you have a reason that it is a
0: hot streak and not a shooting slump? Flipping it on you.
1: You know, just honestly, yes, I do. And it was the Phoenix Suns coming back from down 22 points to win against the Kings. The... The in the fourth quarter, what has been our bugaboo all freaking year, um, that made my week. So, yeah, that is my my hot streak. Seeing the, the KD at the five lineup actually work. Oh my god, it was just, I was by five minutes left in that game, I was standing about two inches away from my team, my TV, screaming my head off. It's it's why we're fans. That's just like it doesn't get be- any better than that. You have a
0: hot streak. You shooting slump? Um, hot streak. So Here we go. I'm go. back, baby. You're back. Um, yeah, the Wolves on a three win uh, win streak right now. Happy about that. Obviously, they did play the Pistons last night, so it's like, yeah. hey, you got you got to beat
1: whoever's in front of you. The Raptors couldn't do it.
0: <laughs> um. Yeah. And then uh, I've been like. I'm doing spring cleaning already like I'm cleaning old shit out of my closet that I've been meaning to do for like months uh donating shit to Goodwill I'm cooking um you know productive new year new max let's go yeah we're so back yeah I'm also on a hot streak I've been only on hot streaks 2024 it's been a great year so far you know put out uh some more videos my videos are doing really well my channel is really happy about that having a lot of fun with this you know as much as I love Jokic, I've been an Embiid fanboy since 2014. And my guy looks like he's headed for another MVP. Uh, I love watching them play. And also, football, you know, the Cowboys got absolutely <laughs> manhandled by the Packers. And then, you know, as sweet as that was, I do, I've do. i always had like a soft spot for the Cowboys ever since the Des Bryant catch game. Uh, they felt felt like they kind of got cheated and now the Packers beat them again. And, you know, Jesse's a Cowboys fan. This is his first year as a football fan, so I've been like... Keep hoping they kind of keep doing well a little bit. I keep don't want him them engaged, win, but I want to keep them engaged. The fucking Eagles, man! I hate the Eagles. I hate the Eagles. I hate the Eagles fans, bro. The most obnoxious. Go fan Birds! Base. The most obnoxious fan base in all of sports. Um, when you listen, Wait, you're to saying the- Philly fans are obnoxious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, dude. Hot the take. way the Eagles collapse, because you asked. <laughs> Don't
1: me on, listen to the end of this podcast, Sixers fans. <laughs> you
0: asked me how, what NBA comparison there was to the Eagles. There's no comparison. This was the worst collapse in season for any pro sports team of all time. Oh, in okay, okay. Uh, I'll I'll let you. What
1: they about the the Warriors? They won seventy three games,
0: but they, they blew a three one lead. In they the lost game seven by. I think three or four points. Okay. Okay. The Eagles lost to Tampa Bay, who is not good. Bakey the Eagles, football, baby. The Eagles, yes, AJ Brown was hurt. Still had like Donovan Smith. Like this team was still really good. They still, had their. this isn't like a team that lost their star quarterback. This is a team that was 10 and one, was the first in the NFC and completely fell apart after a game where the Niners, the team that has been talking shit about them for the last year was like, oh, we figured out the Eagles blueprint. just, Have your edges play the B-gap so that Jalen Hurts can't go through the middle of the pocket. And the Eagles can't win a game since Nick Bosa said that publicly. Damn. This team is pathetic. And I'm really happy about how (laughs) beginning of the year, I was like, fuck, man, the Eagles are going to be so good forever. The Giants are fucked. This team is trash. I'm so happy they're so bad.
1: There we go. (laughs) I'm happy that you're happy. I don't have a dog in the fight. But uh, it, it it's always fun to see see some upsets. You got any hot takes
0: for the uh, games this weekend? My preseason pick was Bills 49ers. I'm sticking with it, bro. There we go. I'm there not afraid go. of Mahomes as a Bandwagon Bills fan. <laughs> Here we go, baby. Let's go. Love that. Yeah, oh, that's it. That's, that's all we got. All that's right. All Thank you guys for listening. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. We'll catch you on Monday next week. Peace.